Welcome to the podcast, Arturo. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ben. Yeah, awesome. Uh, before we get started, I just want to acknowledge I'm producing this podcast from the stolen territories of the Laaman, Comox, Pomoko, and Comox First Nation. We're one nation before we settlers came in and separated them into reserves. Grateful to be able to work here on the unceded lands. So, Arturo, uh, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, kind of, you know, a little bit of your background and and how you got into the field of behavior analysis and, and eventually kind of how you got into sort of um, this your this particular focus on human trafficking. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Arturo Garcia. I am a BCBA. Um, uh, I'm also a third-year doctoral candidate at the University of South Florida. Um, I work directly under the um, my advisor being um, Dr. Kimberly Crossfit. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm also part of the Trafficking in Persons Risk to Resilience or the TIP Lab out of the USF St. Pete campus, which uh, their main focus are on, on just human trafficking, um, whether I'm trying to identify those evidence-based interventions um, that we all say we need, but but now they, they, there's not a lot of work done towards mm-hmm. identifying them. Um, and um, a little bit about myself, I um, I... I started, I graduated a few years back and I became a social worker. You know, one of the things that happens when you graduate with a bachelor's degree in psychology, you're very limited into what you can actually do. Um, thankfully, I wanted to go into social work um, from the very beginning. So um, so graduated, I became a dependency case manager. So I worked directly for the Department of Children and Families. Um, mm-hmm. I also volunteer with the uh, with the Garnet Adam program, which they they are advocates for children that are involved in the dependency case system, uh, and they um and um they're they're involved there because of being um victims of 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 abuse, abandonment, or neglect, and um and through there I I just I I had a a population that I worked with a lot, which were older teenagers, and a lot of them um as the statistics have said, you know, run away and they go missing for a long time. And um, and even when they are around, they uh, they come back and they run. They're very likely to run away again. So mm-hmm. um, that kind of got me very interested into kind of what the research was on running away. You know, trying to figure out at that point, I was trying to figure out why are kids running away? What could you possibly be getting out there that that you want to run away and get? Um, I came across a couple of articles from from the um, the BAS, BASP, you know, the Behavioral Service Program, which was here in Florida, conducted by by um, a few uh, BCBAs from years ago, one of them being Dr. Crossland, and mm-hmm. um, and some of the studies that they were doing were on runaways, and they were um, for, for kids that run away from foster care. So it was very much into what I wanted to get into. I um, I really dove into their their, their studies, kind of what um, a function side to it. But at that point, I was a social worker, so I wasn't uh, so much into behavior analyses and let me understand what you're saying. But I, I saw that connection. I saw that connection of function or being a purpose for doing something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, then I just happened to get a few cases that those kids um, had a diagnosis of ASD and um, and the, them having services being provided to them as an RBT, BCBAs, and having a new case in that kid not receiving services and seeing the growth in one kid over the other, it really got me questioning why, you know, like if this is so effective, why are we not implementing it? Um, I reached out to to um, um, Dr. At that point, she was Dr. Freeman, Dr. Sarah Slocum out of the, um, um, where I got my master's degree at Rollins College. And mm-hmm. um, and I kind of just asked about about um, BCBA, uh, behavior analysis, BCBA, RBT, kind of what, what it was. And she invited me over to the school 
I um I met her. She she sold me um the program to me. She sold me the um the uh, the field, and um, I applied for the master's program. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't. I definitely didn't have the 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 academics for it. I didn't have the best grades. I I um I've worked my entire life that I've been in school. I've never been able to to just dedicate to to schooling. You know, mm-hmm. so um so I um. Of just being given the opportunity to even try a master's program when my parents' highest level of education being high school graduates, you know, mm. and and for the most part, most of my family members are either not graduating from high school, those that are are not looking into anything farther than that, and those that are not even doing that, um, you know, they're engaging in some illicit activities, you know, whether that be selling stuff off the corner or being involved mm. in a group of people that that they all wear the same color bandana kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. so having having that as my background, I um mm. I already had those barriers to get through. So it was very much a a I just need somebody to to guide me and 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 let mm-hmm. me run. I want to do this. Um and I um I just um I knew that I always wanted to go back into uh DCF or the uh children and families, the department of children and families. I wanted to go back into social work. Um but I knew that I needed to pay my dues. I knew that I needed to do behavior analysis. I need uh, through through the typical ASD working with younger kids, working in a clinic setting. Mm. Um, I uh, I graduated uh, for, with my master's during COVID, and so um, once I graduated, I I wanted to get a little bit more experience, and um, and eventually I, I thought that it was time to go back into and get my my PhD. Uh, nice. The first place that I applied for, and I without a doubt was going to be USF because of Dr. Dr. Prosser being here, and mm-hmm. um, I met with her, and and the culture here was very much what I was looking for. Um, their their studies that they were were conducting, mainly being the runaway study, uh, they were that was still very much what I wanted to get into, and I was like, all right, my that's my calling. Um, mm-hmm. I I got into the program, and um, I immediately started knocking on doors, trying to figure out kind of. And uh, who has the specialty apart from Dr. Crossland? Because yeah. um, because it's uh, it's always been to me more than I want to apply behavior analysis into that field, but I want to emerge myself into that field. I want to feel comfortable with that field, and then tell you how we can make it more efficient. With the yeah. goal being um, going back into social work, you know. Yeah. So um, so Dr. Crossland was very supportive. She's like, all right, you know, reach out to people. I saw that they had just started a uh, the tip lab. Um, out of the St. Augustine, sorry, St. Pete campus, I reached mm. out to the to Doctor uh, Doctor Reed there, and um, and she was very welcoming. She was very mm. much giving me the same experience as Doctor Carlson was giving me, and so um, so I joined their lab. So part of Doctor Carlson's lab, yeah, the ABA program, and part of the tip lab out uh, um out of the St. Pete um, campus, and um, and I just kind of just been stepping um my my way through it, you know, but. Um, now, if if we just talk a little bit more about my just my general background, my my parents are Mexican. I was born in Chicago, um, and in Mexico, it's it's you know um, when we're talking about U.S. and Mexico relationships, there's that whole thing of of illegal immigrants being in the United States, and a lot mm. of them coming from Mexico or or from South America, Central America, and so um, knowing of people transitioning from one country to the other one, it's it's something that is very well known in Mexico. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not something that is, it's not a news um, um, uh, report that shocks people to say like, hey, this mm-hmm. person went missing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, you're going to go across the border and hopefully you make it. Hopefully we hear back from you in a few months. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't, well, hopefully you, we find your body. Hopefully we hear from you whenever. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so, wow. so 
Um, you know, so that that to me has always been like a like a matter of fact. That's always been a thing that right. happens, and it's yeah, it's always suck in that sense. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. have um, when you come from those those places that that you need more, you're more likely to do other behaviors that you will not likely do, which yeah. goes to the connection to the behavioral analysis, right? Sure. So, so the study, uh, the studies and the assessment screen tool that Dr. Crossman created, the the, the um, identifying the function of running away through a, through a screening tool, um, it's very much identifying the reasons why you run as a to get something or to get away from something, which in that sense, that that is very much what human trafficking is, you know? So, mm. so you engage in a high-risk behavior, when you get in that high risk behavior, you're likely or you're increasing likelihood of you experiencing trafficking. So that's kind of how how I got involved into all of this and and where my my I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it a calling. I I would say it's more of a just like like my entire life has been very much towards this direction. It's, yeah, it's, just, just led up to this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know I had I had Dr. Crossland on the podcast way back. I think episode 40 or something like that um, talking all about that uh, the, the the functional assessment for runaways so fascinating i just love the work she's doing it was so nice to just to sort of see you know some really good research being done outside of that autism space um just related to that one thing you said you kind of had to go through the whole kind of and, and i know what you're talking about i mean some of your a lot of your story obviously doesn't resonate, but a, a bit of it does in terms of, you know, getting the BA in psych and not really having many job prospects and, um, and so, and not having really great grades and, and, uh, you know, trying to get into a master's program and so on and so forth. Um, and similarly, you know, I, I was looking to work with, you know, with, with adults um, in sort of a residential care. Um, but I was told I had to first work in early intervention in ASD um, and in sort of you know, get my chops done in that. And then once I sort of had enough to sort of get me into the program, I could switch back over. And, 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 it, and it, for my work, it wasn't, it made some sense because I was working in a group with folks with intellectual disabilities. So autism sort of wasn't that big of a stretch in terms of sort of the relation. It, it's, why do you think you sort of needed, I know this is a bit of a tangent from the, the main point, but it was just an interesting point you made. Why, why do you think you sort of needed to do ASD stuff first? Because did, did it feel, and then did, did it feel to you like, like almost, a, almost a bit of a barrier for kind of getting into this work? Because it wasn't really what you were looking to do. You were looking to work in traffic and, run, and runaways, but now that you have to stick you in and do this bit of ASD bit before you can get back out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, I think um, the, Obviously, the the one of the major reasons is is employment, right? Being able to get get paid to, to while I learn. But I, I mm. saw more of getting into ASD um, as an RBT and and eventually as a behavior analyst is very much to to because this the the studies are there that have proven that something is effective. How I see behavior analysis is very much that we are just putting scientific terms on everyday action. Right. So so if we think of any program, you know, whether whether we have a young kid and we're trying to teach him how to how to say water um, and um, and I just tell him, hey, this is water. And hopefully you start kind of just saying that um, it's very much the the, the very much a, a, a core principle of behavior analysis. Mm -hmm. So um, because the the ideas were there um, and it's more about to represent myself as proper knowledge of behavior analysis, I kind of had to go through ASD because that's where 
the money was going to be there. And that's where the, the principles that demonstrated efficiency and effectiveness mm. were going to be mm. there. So mm. I knew that support was going to come from, from there because, because most of us are working within that field. So if mm. I wanted to, to talk to someone sense. about, about potentially applying ABA, let's say in a residential program in, in a detention center, Right before I, I can go and apply that, I need to learn those concepts. And the only mm. spots that I can learn those concepts is in a clinic setting or providing mm. uh, home services. Now, of yeah. course, this is this is a few years back. Now there's more programs that that are or more agencies that are providing services in in those other um, in other settings. You know, um, as I was finishing my my master's, I had the great opportunity to work it um, as a as an assistant analyst inside of the detention facility and providing mm. those those ABA um, principles and. I wouldn't have gotten there had I not, not established those principles uh, within within little children. And obviously, yeah. it is it's a uh, it's a lot um, easier to receive a punch by a three year old than it is by a 17, 24 year old because because those mm-hmm. were a little bit more, you know. So, <laughs> so if I can understand the the how do I make this not happen to me again, then mm-hmm. I then I then I can then it just becomes my job to generalize that to a different population, mm-hmm. a different setting, and that's kind of where the mastery of the concepts come in, yeah. you know, so, so yeah. uh, it was more of the pain that used to understand them for me to be able to buy them somewhere else. No, that, that makes a lot of sense because essentially, you know, uh, the BCBA credential and all the work around it has for so many years been centered around autism services. And so autism is really the place to get the experience and to learn the skills and do that thing. If, if there was a big, massive network of sort of, you know, folks working in human trafficking and studying ABA for 20 years, then you probably would have just jumped into that, but that just exactly. exists. And because you're jumping into sort of a more niche area that doesn't really have a whole lot of opportunities to get sort of experience with the concepts, you got to do it somewhere and then yep. be able to transfer them over. That makes sense. Okay, good. So it's not, it's not really so much a sort of a, you know, a gatekeeping issue as more of a, that's just where, that's just the one place you can sort of get the most experience yeah. when you're early on in. Yeah. Okay. It makes sense. So uh, it sounds like talking you're essentially a kind of a first generation um you know college student your family a lot of history there the the sort of you know normal life in mexico of sort of people just missing and whatnot uh you knew in the in that sort of normal life when people would sort of go missing and you might you either hear hear back from them in a few months or like you said maybe find a body or whatnot hopefully um, uh, to know to know that whether they were alive or or, or not, um, was there an awareness at that time that part of what was happening was human trafficking? Well, so yeah, I think um, in um, in Mexico there's a term for the 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 people that smuggle you, right? Um, um they call them coyotes, um, which which you know it's 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 something that is very well known. Now, of mm-hmm. course, there is a difference between human trafficking and smuggling. Right, a smuggler mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is a criminal organization that takes you into from one place to the other place. Right, where the human trafficking comes is when when I go into Mexico and I tell you I'm gonna have you work in this place where the streets are paved of gold, and I'm gonna have you work, and you're gonna and your dollar is gonna go so much farther in Mexico. But to get that, you gotta come with me, and then you kind of get to the United States or wherever it is that you're you're going into, and then the smuggler is like, well, now not only do you owe me the money that you initially paid me to get you here, now you owe me the money. Or the food that I gave you, and while you do that, mm-hmm. I'm gonna help ha- have you work in, in in a field or whatever it is that, that I have you work, and mm-hmm. um, or massage parlor or whatever. And I was like, but 
while you're working there, I'm still feeding you. I'm still giving you a roof over your head. I'm still kind of just transporting you and every single thing. And it's a dollar, a dollar, a dollar, a dollar. Mm. So you make $7 and out of those $7, six fifty goes back into the person. And that's kind of the idea behind labor trafficking, right? Um, and and then the, where it becomes a sexual exploitation, um, which is the, I'm sorry, the, the, the um, human trafficking, it's mostly split up in the United States as sexual exploitation or labor trafficking. And um, mm-hmm. labor trafficking is the one that I was describing. Sexual exploitation is um, the same, except instead of working for a product, the product is your body. So, mm-hmm. um, so um, um, that's kind of where that distinction comes in. Now, there are different types of exploitations, and I can dive into those a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, but yeah, so as a, as a general, um, you know, when um, they, the people get smuggled in, and then you're being asked to do things, and you can just never pay that debt back. And so mm. they keep that hold over you for a long time. And mm. that's where either, you know, if, if for whatever reason, they'll reach out to your family and say, like, hey, um, this person still owes this money. You either give us the money or you might not hear from them again kind of thing. Mm. And, um, and, and, and again, it's not, um, you know, not to, not to make it seem like, like Mexico is the, is the harshest place or, or not make it seem like, like it's full of crime or whatever. But is, this is very much something that does happen. And it doesn't just happen in Mexico. This this happens a lot in the Philippines. Happens a lot in China. Happens a lot in the United States. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so so where, wherever it happens, it's just um, it's very much where that's my background, and that's why I know it so well because that mm-hmm. is my culture. But it's not to say that Mexico is a dangerous place and this has happened to every other person. But it, mm-hmm. that's that's what I know of. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, while on that, I uh, I do um, I do want to kind of kind of give a caveat of of you know so there are certain um lingos certain terms that that have to be used you know kind of being more like like person center and 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 drama and form um so um so there might be if there's times where i have a little bit of difficulty is because i'm still trying to teach myself again going into mm. that aba where everything is 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 a variable everything is a participant or a subject yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to more of a criminology which is back to the social work part of it so trying mm. to be more of a, those terms so you don't say a victim of trafficking you say a person that experienced human traffic you know, yes. so, so yeah. that's, um, that's kind of like the, I just wanted to again, give that little caveat. If you're planning on collecting continuing education credits for this episode, you'll need to enter the three secret words at www.cbiconsultants.com forward slash shop. The first secret word is trafficking. Just a bit about the smuggling. So is the smuggling situation a thing where someone is wanting to be smuggled is that what's happening like how does someone sort of get in to be to become smuggled across the border well yes yeah, so, so i think it is very much um an, an opportunity thing right so uh, yeah. so i think um if we um if we break down um um human trafficking and smuggling by by function right so mm-hmm. um so if you have a need of for resources you're likely to engage in a behavior that gives you the 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 illusion of potentially um getting those access to those resources mm-hmm. right so so um you're anticipating being you have no food your behavior is i contact this person because this person is gonna uh, promise me to get me there the consequence that's where it kind of kind of changes right so either you get the expected consequence which is i i help you get to the other side or mm-hmm. you get the the other consequence which is kind of like where the lure comes in so i tell you i'm gonna get you there and when i get you there actually first you gotta do this for me um mm-hmm. So, so I guess, um, um, you know, so you have, um, when you have 
whether it's poverty or you have too many siblings or you, or or you just come from from a place where you don't have money or or you know like you have a, a wife or a husband or a partner that they need medication and you can't get it anywhere else you know, like this happens a lot um if we talk a little bit farther south um you know we talk about like venezuela where all the issues mm. that they're going through and the the lack of resources it kind of just push a lot of people to kind of just um migrate to other countries and and because we we might not hear of the immigrants from venezuela to 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 Colombia because we're not connected to Colombia. The reason why we're here so mm. much in, in Mexico uh, in the U.S. is because it literally is the closest country to. to but yeah. so yeah. but yeah, so if it would it, it would happen the other way around if if whatever you're likely to get uh, will be on the other side south, right? So mm. so mm. now uh, we'll flip it into into let's say um um which the connection is there. Um, so let's say that that we we talk about wanting to get drugs. Right. So most of the drugs, um, let's say that they're being whether they're being produced in, in Colombia or Mexico or in Bolivia or or Peru, wherever, wherever these drugs are. Right. So you're likely to engage in a behavior that's going to get you that that uh, that reinforcer, which is access to the cocaine. And if you yeah. can't get it in the U.S., then you're going to start calling people that can get you to the other country. Right. So it's kind of the reverse. The only difference is that when one of them gets us more access to us uh, to to money afterwards with. The other one just kind of gets gets us to a spot where my effect is it's smaller in the in the general community. So mm-hmm. me wanting to work because I want to make sure my family has everything they need is not gonna make the news. Me going the opposite side because I want to get drugs, and when I come back, everyone around me is gonna get drugs because I'm the one that's giving them. You know, it, it makes more of an impact. But now we're talking mm-hmm. about different crime because the difference is I'm getting access to a drug, and that's what I'm spreading. I'm getting access to a person that no one knew was gonna be missing, and no one knew was gonna be here, and then I just put you wherever corner I need you to go to. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of where where the distinction comes of those two. Of, of the smuggling to to more mm. of the trafficking, right? So it's kind of the purpose of I I get access to you because um because you're gonna give me money to get to that side, or I get access to you because you think I'm gonna get you to the other side, and I'm gonna get you to the other side, but you're not gonna get what you're, what you're thinking that you're gonna get. Mm. Um, so that's kind of again for the going back into behavior analysis. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I, I think the drug example. I think is is pretty salient. What's the food though? So so someone's you know starving or can't access food. Where does sort of the belief come that going across the border is going to get me food versus trying to find food in say in Mexico? Well, it's it's um I think um I think there's a lot of people that we can we can blame for that right. Um, and I and I say blame without giving it somebody like like when that this person is bad, but. More of a, you know, going back to the, if I go to Mexico and I tell you that the streets are paved of gold when we are we are in the U.S., you're, you're going to go to wherever um, because you don't understand what that that means. You say mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I don't have that opportunity here, but someone is coming here and telling me that that opportunity is there. Now, mm-hmm. there's that. Then then realistically speaking, you know, like um, the U.S. is a is very much uh Produce a lot of a lot of food, right? Or they they waste a lot of food that just you know we can see that sustainability mm. talks about that, you know. So on on the flip side of where we hear bad things happening in, in Mexico, when you go to Mexico, you hear about good things happening in the U.S. and mm. um, and so for for one of them is kind of like reaching up, like hopefully I can get it if I get to the U.S. The opposite is kind of like reaching down, like oh if I go over there I only get bad things. But if, if if we were to flip it to where 
to where we're make, making more good things that are out of, uh, in Mexico. Or, um, I mean, people do it all the time, like, oh, visit the state, you know, go to this place. They don't show you the, the dirty neighborhoods. They don't show you the broken cars. They don't show you the homeless population. They show you, like, the nice environment. They, they show you the streets that are super clean. They show you people laughing and having a good time, right? So if we were to flip that on just... The, the stuff that is being reported on across different countries, um, you know, talking about Mexico, if we talk about about the, 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 you know, more of the Aztec culture that's still there, we we're talking about the Nahuatl culture that's still there, the Olmecs, if we're talking more about those dive in into their still very, very um, um, humble communities, and it's not about drugs, it's not about crime, if we mm. talk about that, people will be more likely to see Mexico in that positive sense, and then mm. we're thinking of the crime's not still there, you know, so because corruption doesn't exist in isolation to to that you know it exists in the u.s it exists in canada it exists um you know and and across the pond in london it, it that's not something that's isolated to let's say mexico only you know yeah 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 no interesting so uh, what sort of the the and I imagine the, the the data is probably somewhat skewed because you know it, it, it's not something that's so easily reported, and, and unless someone's kind of either recovered or 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 or, or worse found dead. Um, um, but what sort of an idea of sort of how how common this is, how frequent human trafficking kind of happens? So, um, if um, most of the of the literature on human trafficking. Does describe human trafficking as kind of like this this hidden crime. Um, we we hear of human trafficking if they there's like this really extensive um um what's it called ongoing sting operation and through there they find the people that are putting these these individuals into those positions you know so um so the data is very much skewed into into only if you find them and you right. know and, and and when you change things in the just in the general culture for example in the U S when you change the law. You would implement this new law where people have to report themselves as victims or or let's say um exaggerating, let's say that that you implement this law where if you think anyone uh, might be expecting uh, be, being exploited, you immediately report them. Right. So if you change that, it, the human trafficking doesn't go away. It's um, human trafficking as a as a system is just ever evolved. So mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. so you change the law and what happens is that it dives into somewhere else. So um so the um there's this one package um it's called a Fosta Sesta package that um that what they did is that they kind of just um aim at some some specific um websites Craigslist and and um um Backpage and so what mm. they did is that there were a lot of uh, personal ads where it was like oh for twelve roses you know um um we we can spend an hour together and just it was it was very much like kind of just saying like like um sex selling 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 sex whether it was um um by the persons wanted to or because they were being trafficked you know so mm-hmm. there, there were these two pages that they had these these kind of ads there and they were very easy to find and so um the false assessor package came around and what they did is that they um they seized the web the back page website and um and so they closed down that website that website's no longer around um mm-hmm. and what Craigslist this is that they remove those those kind of just um postings so you can't find a personal ad on Craigslist anymore. So you can't mm. find a a woman seeking man. You can't find a man seeking man. You can't find mm. um couple um, seeking whatever it may be, right? You can't find those anymore on the website because that's where where people were um um soliciting people, right? Um, mm. so that's a form of trafficking. Yes. And so um so you would think in a in a way like okay cool the human trafficking is no longer happening, 
but like like even um and I and I make this this reference in in some of my presentations is that even if you were to look for let's say you just Google the, the word um you know backpage you the first the first thing that comes up is five different websites that is equivalent to backpage you know so it didn't if it didn't change it didn't stop it it just morphed it to something else right so mm. so now the website is backpage to any point mm. you know so, right. so it, whatever it may be so so um it's um it's kind of just that that again ever changing part of it that mm. makes it so difficult to identify those victims mm. and so when when you think of who actually is reporting uh, for the most part you um they based on some of the recent statistics that I found, you know, to the Polaris project, which is one of the ones that does the national human trafficking hotline um, here mm. in the U.S., what kind of they they um, they did is kind of just evaluated out of the people that are being found as victims, how many of them were self-reported. So you went up to someone and said, like, hey, I'm being trafficked. How many of those were found by a caseworker? How many of those were found by a nurse, by a police officer? Mm. Or whatever? Mm. And what mm. they showed is that is that the majority of of people that experienced trafficking were very much self-reported, which means okay. that which means that although there are a lot of things out there to to try to identify people, for the most part, they have to be self-identified. So so um you know go to the doctor and and they see a lot of bruises at different stages of healing or they um you know like you're you're just a real recurring offender of uh, often being um um arrested for prostitution or whatever it might be. But if you don't report it, then you're not identified as that. So that's kind of where the idea of some of the screening tools and some of the assessment right. tools that come in and, and to kind of just identifying victims without going out there and asking them specifically, hey, are you a victim? Mm -hmm. Because again, for the most part, people are not going to self-report as victims unless they are ready to report themselves as victims. Okay, so really with no idea. We can talk about the, the, the number of people that do, that do report, right? Yeah. So, um, so um, um, going back to, to what I was referencing, the, um, the uh, well, there's a uh, the um the United Nations um uh, what they they do like a like a yearly um assessment of, of what's called global report on trafficking in persons so the globe tip and um and what they what they found is kind of just um for for one the people that they suspect being potential victims of human trafficking might be a number of like let's say fifty one thousand people that they found but then out of those. Only thirty six thousand of them report whether they were female, males, or or other. Um, and out of those, twenty thousand report um, the actual experience that they went. Mm -hmm. um, and out of those, you know, a thousand actually go through the through the legislature process of getting that other person to to stop. So so we're talking about we're trickling down the, the numbers. So although it's like 150, 160 countries that that are involved in the United Nations for for the global trafficking in persons. Um, when we're talking about how many of them actually are reporting the type of exploitation, we're, we cut it down by 86. So only 86 out of 155, 156 that, that are reporting trafficking happening, only 86 mm. of them are reporting the type of trafficking. So, mm. so, um, so uh, again, cutting it down, we're talking about like going from like 52,000 um, people in the, in the country, sorry, in the, in the world that report experiencing that to 36,000 of them actually are reporting their experiences mm. of trafficking. You know, so mm -hmm. so that number trickles down even farther when you think about about the resources that are out there. So um, you see that the highest number of people that are identified as as experiencing trafficking, it, it very much correlates with the amount of resources that that country has for the individual. 
So mm. you see a, a small number in a small country, you know, like like Kenya. Sure, that's we're talking about a smaller country compared to, let's say, the United States. But there's more more services out there for them to feel comfortable reporting. So you're less likely to report when you're in Kenya. But if you happen to be traffic and you you get moved to to the U.S., you're more likely to report while you're there because you have services out there for you. So mm. and it goes into into the how wealthy that country is. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. out of these eighty six countries that I mentioned that are reporting type of exploitation, we're talking about the, the rich quote unquote rich richer countries um, yeah. around the world. You know, so yeah, yeah the, the the actual number uh, you and me could be guessing all day and not even come close. I think yeah. that the actual experiences of trafficking is something where where because that definition is kind of just very muddy. It changes by by state. It changes by country. It it changes by experiences. Right. Yeah. It, it just it gets harder to uh, yeah. most people, not most people, a lot of people can can even self-identify as victims until yeah. someone else points, points them out to them. And that's kind of where the awareness comes in. You know, that's that's why yeah. it's so important to have like a like the January being the the National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. Right. That's why it's so important. Stuff like this. Um, you know, it, I think it's in June when you have the the global um, national awareness human trafficking. Right. So mm. so they, these are kind of just. um experiences that people, um, you know, like the more that we got and disseminate, especially those, those, you know, boots on the ground type of people, those, those clinicians, those, those analysts, those RBTs, those police officers, those teachers that come in contact with these individuals. That's that, that's why it's so important for us to know those things. And that's kind of what I'm hoping to help and emerge that lack of awareness within our population, because we're all working with the vulnerable of the vulnerable population. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that you- qualify all that because if someone just sort of throws out a stat because i think i was looking at at some of that uh that uh the data from glow tip and it was something like across 166 countries a little over 50,000 victims that makes it sound like it's not really a big problem yeah, right? yeah of course yeah you know because especially you know if that was even in, if that was even just in the u.s that doesn't still sound like a big problem, um, you know. But uh, across the world, it sounds like a very little problem. And so those those numbers can really could could really you know, uh, uh, you know just really sort of take away the attention from it. So I think it's really important that you qualify with that detail. Well, and so I think the the other thing, um, you know, so going back into the the tip, you know, like like um, the the one from twenty twenty completely different from the one twenty twenty two. Um, mm. and 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 you if you re- if you read over the report of the twenty twenty two. Um, you'll see that across the entire report, they're reporting that human trafficking went down. But wow. the 2022, the data from 2022 is from the 2020 um, year. And what happened in 2020? Mm. We had COVID. So, so um, something that's very well known within the, depend- the, um, the dependency case system mm. is that the the highest risk that a child that is involved that has been previously abused, um, it's during those breaks that they're away from school because there's mm. less eyes on people. If you yeah. do that across the entire world because of a of a pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. now you have you have teachers that are no longer there. You have social workers that are no longer coming around. You have therapists that that go from in person to now they're virtual. You know, and now you, you have all of these other things that are that are happening. So, yes, of course, if there's less people reporting, there's going to be less, less, less number of yeah, victims yeah, out there yeah. identified. So um, so that's kind of how I um, how, how most of these reports work is based on on because, again, most of these individuals are self-identified, so unless they mm. identify themselves, they're less likely to wait to have an actual number, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but um, I think um, one of the things that I want to mention with the glow tip is that um, when they do start breaking apart the kind of the type of experiences or the type of exploitation, 
you know, again, uh, I mentioned forced labor or or labor trafficking and sexual exploitation, mm. but um, but like um, in different um, tools, one of them being from from the Polaris project from 2017 is that they actually identified the the types of of trafficking across 25 different variables, right? So mm. so you think of of trafficking and you think of escort services. Uh, sorry, escort you think of escort services. You think of labor trafficking and you think of of of, uh, of manufacturing, you know. But then you have um, other places, you know, like massage parlors happens a lot, you know. Um, um, a lot of uh, forced begging, um, you know, a lot of of illegal um, um, or forced marriages, illegal um, what's it called? Um, adoptions of children, you know, like like these other spots where it's also wow. happening. But but because we're not taking them into account because of how idiosyncratic or how how less frequently they are to see, you know, but like if, um, I don't know if this is also happening in Canada, you know, but like, like one of the places that, that we see a lot of, um, illegal immigrants working is kind of like, um, in the, in the back of a kitchen. Right. And so, mm. so we're not, this is no longer manufacturing. It's not, it's not a small child that's, that's building a shoe. Now we're talking about someone that's a waiter or someone that's cleaning dishes and that's mm. also exploitation, but whether they did not identify themselves as a, as a, as a victim or experiencing trafficking, um, and so because of that, that number, again, it's gets skewed down, you know, mm. but, um, but just as a, as a general, you know, going back into the, the, um, the glow tip, um, for the most part, the six most likely types of exploitation that happen are forced labor, um, you know, uh, out of 36,000 people, uh, about 38% of them were, um, identified as experiencing forced labor, um, sexual exploitation follow very closely being like 38% as well, but then you have, um, Force criminal activities, right? So, so whether it's pickpocketing or whether it's you go out there and you're gonna get me more people that are gonna be involved in this lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, or whether it's like a gang activity, you know. So that 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 came down to like ten percent of people. Um, uh, uh, so then you have um forced marriages again being um being smaller, being about a one percent out of the thirty six thousand people. But again, that's if you're not reporting it, then it's not happening, quote unquote. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pegging and illegal adoption. So these are kind of like the the spots where yeah. you see this happening, but again, because they're not identifying themselves as traffic victims, we don't count that number, right? So mm-hmm. unless unless they identify, then like they don't exist, which is an awful thing to think about. Yeah, I mean, there just seems to be so many different places now where you can find these folks. You know, I, I saw your list: you know, like landscapers, yep. uh, construction. Uh, um, you know, some of the more sort of obvious ones, I think, because ob- only obvious because, again, media and movies and, mm-hmm. and whatnot have sort of, you know, I think the, a lot of the sexual exploitation and, uh, you know, yeah, forced begging I've never heard of. I mean, that that's that that's a surprising one. Um, the, the adoption one, that seems, that seems, I mean, gosh, not only is it horrible and, 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 and wild, but like, are, are these... Do we, do we know if sort of these families that are adopting these children are aware that these children have been smuggled or? I mean, I think I think the argument can be made for both things. You could say mm-hmm. that, yes, they are aware because because it's so expensive to adopt someone or or no, they're not aware because there's a middle criminal in, um, that's just selling people to to whatever the organization is. And the organization doesn't know that they're being, you know, um, um, there's there's some there's some some um, poor countries where where you go up to uh, the family and the family have has a lot of children and um and again flashing that that wad of money being like hey man I can give you how much for this kid and um and because of the necessity 
you value the the life of that the, of that individual less because you have a higher um, necessity on the other side, you know. And so so that's kind of like it's the uh, the worst part of human trafficking is putting that dollar value on a human being. Yeah. Um, but it is. Uh, I think uh, the other thing is that doesn't just happen to humans, right? Like, like um, um, you can also um, um, traffic animals, you know, like that's, that's also something that happened. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so it, these experiences, again, uh, when you devalue the, well, when you put a value on a person, um, there's, there's no, for something, for someone that doesn't have mm-hmm. an actual money value and you have, mm-hmm. you meet that number where that person that needs it more is going to say like, yeah, you know what, this this individual, this thing at this in front of me is not giving me any, any, anything towards what I need, which is feeding, which is housing, which is, which is water, whatever it may be. And mm. I can get rid of this one person, one less responsibility and the likelihood mm. of them experiencing something better. So going from, from being, uh, we're having no dwelling, having no house, you're living in the streets to potentially you get adopted by mm. someone that's still, mm. that's a, that's a, that's kind of like a, like, hopefully they, they, they are better off. Hopefully nothing mm. bad happens to them. And on the flip side, you're also getting something from it. So it's mm. kind of like a gamble and, and you're winning as long, you know, quote unquote winning, um, but without knowing what else is happening. So sure, yeah. sure. The second secret word is lure. How how are folks recruited in, into 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 you know into sort of trafficking? How, how, how do these folks get found? Well, so um, I think um, the from putting a behavioral spin to it is yeah. based on where there's a need, right? So, mm-hmm. so if you have a need for for again getting access to like money or getting access to family members or getting access to to um, you know, like a, a different lifestyle, whatever it may be, um, because of that, I think the setting would be based on wherever we see kind of just people being most vulnerable, being mm-hmm. detention centers, um, jails, being in. Um, in group homes and foster care, you know, you'll have traffickers, but they kind of involve children or youth into becoming their traffickers. So they go out there and recruit kids into coming into the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, most of the uh, the traffickers right now, based on just general statistics, again, going back, I refer back to the Polaris project because mm-hmm. this is the one that kind of just um, reviews the, um, the the national um, hotline on trafficking. Yep. But, um and most of most of the of the people that are experiencing trafficking report um the initial contact being like on the internet um dating sites dating apps right so mm. so you have somebody up to you come up to you and tell you like hey man um you're pretty you're you're gorgeous you're whatever it may be and um and i think me and you can collaborate i think me and you can do this i can have you travel to mexico i can have you travel to europe i can have you travel wherever wow, it might yeah. be and so you're offering those things to people that don't have access to it already, right? So going back into our initial conversation of smugglers for from from Mexico to to the U.S., when I sell you this street made out of gold, and I tell you, you know, like, hey, you don't have contact with your family, I got you. Don't worry about it. Mm. I, 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 I'm from your I'm from your street. I'm from your community. I'm from your country. I'm from your state. Wherever it is, I can get you there. Just just hop on my car. You know, hop on this plane. I'll get on this bus. I'll see you on the other side. And when you get to the other side, the expected consequence doesn't match what you what the SD was, which is I'll give you access to your family if you come in with me. Oh, you come with me. Guess what? Huh? I'm gonna take you over here instead. So that's um you know based on on those you know so you see traffickers reach out to people who are trying to run away for example in a bus station or you see people that uh, that um, they're uh, they're kind of like approached in the streets you know if um, whether that criminal activity you have um, a lot of homeless 
you have a lot of of, of you know um, um, sexual minorities, you know the LGBTQ plus community that also traffic. You know one of the most people that don't get reported on experiencing trafficking, which goes to what I mentioned before. If you don't identify yourself as a as a as an ex, as experiencing, um, are are boys and males. You know, like like there's such a low number. Yes, statistically speaking, females and younger females are the ones that experience trafficking the most. I'll twist it around. Statistically speaking, the people that are more likely to report experiencing trafficking are females and younger um, on on the younger side, right? So, so, um, so it might be that the number of boys that get trafficked is higher. It might be that that happens more in one population, but it might be that a population that is not reporting, they're less likely to report, mm. right? So, um, so when you grow up and somebody's telling you like, oh, snitches get stitches, when you grow up and tell you like, hey, mm. you don't talk to these people, hey, you don't, mm. talk, you don't, you don't go to this side. When you have mm. that as a culture, as a community towards 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 kind of like like protecting yourself, those people, those that community that's supposed to be protecting, mm. that's kind of where the traffic comes in, modifies the the the, the lore, modifies the function of that lore or that perception mm. of that of, of that lore, and and you have your 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 takeout whatever you want to go to. So if you know that minorities um um from a specific street are less likely to go to the cops, guess where I'm mm -hmm. gonna be posted at. At, mm -hmm. at the minorities that are in that street or um or on specific dating websites or or chat rooms right so so i can list you all of the apps i can list you all of the websites and then you're like oh okay that's that sucks you know but but it's mm. it's going back into the lore the function of the lore you know so you have the, the type what it looks like and then you have the function of what actually um that perceived function because because um because again just because you get offered something the consequences would likely not match the antecedent Right. So it's that perceived function is if I hop on your car, you got to take me to my parents. You, I don't get to get to my parents. So the consequence doesn't match the the uh, the initial antecedent. But I engage in that response, which is running away. I just didn't get the consequence. So I didn't get the reinforcement I was seeking. Mm -hmm. And you also talked about so you got some of these online tactics. You got kind of, you know, um, some of the sort of more, you know, kind of aversive tactics, blackmail, abduction, those kinds of things. Can you tell me a little bit about relational tactics? I've never heard of those. Sure. Um, so um, um, relational tactics um, also sometimes can refer to as kind of like Romeo pimping, which is where this person comes up to you and and they sell themselves as a supportive person. They, they sell themselves as, this, as kind of like a grooming process. So, so I, I, I'm this, this Romeo to you. I, I offer you these opportunities. I give you um, everything that you want. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. I got you. I got you. I got you. And after a while, you have that person just kind of flip on you and, and do that. Now, that's all just establishing a history of reinforcement. And so, so when you think of who other, what, what other person has a long history of reinforcement with an individual, that can be a parent, that can be a teacher, that can be um, a, a church member, that can be some other person. So, so I guess um, in a behavioral sense, a a, um, a relationship, uh, it's building that relationship or that grooming is very much established in a history of reinforcement. So that person mm -hmm. has a long history of reinforcement. You're less, you're more likely to engage in that response based on 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 whatever they're asking you to do, and um and when there's an, there's that need from that individual, or if you um if your parents of uh, um, your mom, your sister, they're already sex workers or they're already, you know, um, involved in la that lifestyle. They value the, uh, that lifestyle a lot more than, 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 than other opportunities. So, um, so then you get traffic as a young child. And mm. I, I guess I'll, I'll refer back to, um, to the definition of, from the United States of, for, for, um, experiencing sexual exploitation. Mm. It's either you're forcefully, 
um, at, um, for, uh, you're forcefully asked to engage in, in a sexual activity mm -hmm. or if you're a minor. Because when you're a minor, mm -hmm. you don't have the, the there's there's no legal child prostitution, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that would be the difference of if under 18, you engage in, in sexual activity, um, whether you wanted to or not, it's considered mm -hmm. trafficking. Mm -hmm. And um, and for an adult is there has to be forced fraud or coercion and um, mm -hmm. for, for in order for you to be considered a victim of trafficking. You know, so again, it's kind of just more of a of the relationship of that these people build over time. Um, so then they eventually traffic. So it, mm. again, it could be a parent, it could be a teacher, it could be a sibling, it could be um, these Romeos that come around and, and offer you the stuff, you know, so they build this history and then, and then what their end intention is, is not the same as what you're actually, what you'd believe in to be, you know, mm -hmm. and, and there's more to an effect to that, you know, so, so if you believe that this person is someone that you, that cares about you, believe this person is someone that, that you ever have a relationship with, um, you're less likely to report them now because you don't want your boo, you don't want your friend, you don't want your family to, to get in trouble. So you will continue mm. to be um, victimized over and over again because you are no longer identifying yourself as a, as a experience mm. in this. You're just seeing this as a routine. Like, okay, well, you know, that cycle of abuse, like, oh, uh, well, he's mean right now, but he's going to take care of me. You know, I, I did something wrong. You know, that's kind of mm. how you build that, you know, like that dominance over people, which again, it's very much a, you know, um, 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 punishment and reinforcement, you know, how mm. very much as an operant works, you know, so uh, you've obey me, I, I, I give you access to to food, I give you access to cell phone, I give you access yeah. to a warm bed, you don't follow my directions, I I, I either impose um, something aversive, you know, whether it's me punching you, me hitting you, me, me doing mm. those, like, or me removing the essentials, like, a, like food, like warmth, like, like water, you know, so it's very much, mm. um, Again, being an uh, old behavior analysis, being old an operant, that that is very much how you establish that history, that reinforcement. So, um, where the belief comes is that uh, we see these movies, we see this this news reports, and it's yeah. very much like, oh, it's abduction, abduction. Oh, you get trafficked by being abducted, and that's not that that statistically, that's not when when it happens the most. Mm -hmm. When it happens the most, is building this relationship or or being offered these opportunities and not getting the access to what those opportunities we're yeah, offering yeah, you i guess yeah, yeah gotcha gotcha so we talk a lot about function and some 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 sort of behavior analytic principles that are kind of in play here knowing that sort of we're likely getting just sort of a tip of the iceberg in terms of how many folks are this is happening to in terms of reports and whatnot um it, it definitely seems like sort of you know sort of reactive strategies kind of after the fact after the fact, they're probably going to be not so effective on the, on the bigger picture of what's going on, and it really needs to be about kind of how can we kind of prevent folks from you know uh, you know being lured in or or being smuggled or so on and so forth or kind of getting into those places. So, what kind of work are, are you doing, and and what are maybe some of the ways you know you know as a behavior analyst we might be able to sort of um, do something about this? Yeah. So um. So I think um. Because uh, I think taking what's out there and and knowing that the understanding the the patterns are behavior, right? So so we have the four term contingency, right? So um so if we can identify what made a person of a specific um you know of race or a specific community or a specific you know life experiences, um going back to a behavioral approach, um let's say of running away. If we know that kids that run away are likely to run away, um. 
because of they're missing contact with their parents, they're missing contact with their friends, they want to go hang out, they want to go do drugs, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, right? So all of these are statistics. These are things already out there. So um, so what what we are working on is kind of developing this this function based screening tool in which we're grabbing the experiences and we put in a a function to them, right? So um so for the most part, when we're talking about human trafficking, um, you talk about the the um, human trafficking being broken down into three things, right? So, so um, the AMP model. So you have the the act, the motive, and the purpose, right? So the act is kind of where where it's happening. So where it's, things are being um, where kids are being harbored from, where they're being solicited from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you have um, um forced fraud or coercion, right? So um um that's kind of the actual behavior of the trafficker. And then the purpose being, uh, I want them for sexual exploitation. I want them for labor trafficking, right? Um, but this is very much based on the behavior of the trafficker. And so um, there's not there's not many studies out there that are taking the behavior of the individual that mm. puts them at a higher risk. And I understand why, because because by by putting it on the on the person that experienced trafficking, it it can be perceived as you blaming them for for True. their experiences. Yeah. So um so I think where where we come in with our principles is that if we take these experiences and we modify because again now this is this is a statistical point this is a data point of what their experiences were and um and we identify what the function of a specific type of lore is we can start teaching these to those kids that are already experiencing hardships right mm-hmm. so if we go back to the kids that run away going back to to the studies that Dr. Crossland did right um when what she did to develop the the screen tool is that she had kind of like a like a panel discussion with 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 caseworkers and with and with youth that that will run away from from foster care mm. and um and from there the screen tool came. So if we go out there and take these lures that are being used, if we go out there and the the course fraud and coercion, what they look like, we put a function to them because this person that hasn't seen their family members, they were offered a right to see their family members. They ran away and when they ran away they they um they were trafficked. If we know what happened and we teach kids that were surrounded around the same environment that are experiencing the same thing, then we can decrease the, their behavior that caused them to be to be trafficked initially. Mm. So um, so that is very much what we're working on on that. Um, we're developing a screening tool for that. Um, and that's been a lot of a lot of uh, having to read case files, having to to um, to look at a lot of literature from 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 criminology, victimology, you know, um, trafficking, you know, so so a lot of a lot of on that side, and mm-hmm. so um, so from there we have the questions that are already formulated for the running away because we we identify one behavior being runaway, um, mm-hmm. and we if we modify them to be trauma informing victim center and we include the lures that are being used, then um, then again we identify these factors. If we see that we can properly identify these these people, then we just grab the same type of lures, the function of these lures, and we modify them and we can teach them as a safety skill. You know, mm. um, there, there's previous studies that have done it with with um, um abduction um studies, you know, um or or poison control or you know um um just uh, sexual abuse, right? So we there are studies that already established uh, BSD and PSD and IST as being effective tools to, to teach children how to avoid these situations. Mm. All we have to do is just change what we're teaching them. And we don't have mm. to expose them to these experiences right. because, because we already have the statistics for it. You know? We already know what happened. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so um, with that, also, um, um, uh, there's uh, there was an opportunity going back to me being involved with the trafficking lab um, here at USF. I, um, I, I was given an opportunity to kind of just work um, to do a program evaluation of a housing program that's kind mm. of the um, identifying those, um, those markers for success. And um, 
um, myself and, and another of Dr. Um, Crossland's um, student, doc student, um, her name is Marissa, we mm -hmm. kind of, uh, we were awarded a, a, a grant to be able to go into the community, work with this community partner. Um, they have um, a number of cases where they're providing wraparound services. And within mm. these wraparound services, uh, whether it's referrals for housing, referrals for employment, referrals for mental health, substance abuse, all of these sort of sort of different components, and um, doing a, a case evaluation, doing kind of building case studies for each one of their participants, trying to approach them from a behavioral analytical perspective, you know, mm. so trying to identify what were they missing that made it more likely for this group of individuals to be successful and to mm. meet the markers of success based on the agency and mm. what were these individuals doing different, right? So yeah. if you come into the program and already have a job, you're more likely to be successful, right? Because right. you already established that. And and so, um, you know, if we start to think of who are victims of trafficking, for the most part, if you experience some sort of trafficking, you're likely to go back into that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so what is it that's gonna make you fall under the same trap of that same lure? So if you know that you're missing money, you finally get a job, but that job's not paying you enough, if mm. I give you an option and you're and you're on that necessity of, of man, no, I really need to pay for the bills today and I have no other way of doing it. Well, let me let me go and and back to the street and and see yep. if that'll help me. And yep. that's where that's kind of where the traffickers take advantage of that. Mm. You know, so so that's kind of the um um we're doing this evaluation of these cases and um we have a lot of preliminary data on it, you know, and we we're coming in with our behavioral um um hats on and we Mm. extrapolating as much data as possible and we're trying to figure out where the function of each one of these things are we have screening tools we have housing assessments we have um you know gold um specific or um screening uh, uh, sorry tools and we have intakes and applications so we have so much data and now it's it's more of a taking the data and making that spin of behavior analysis and so mm. that's um that's very much what we're doing um and that's kind of where my dissertation work is taking me to so mm. it's just mm. it's going to be very much um, continue to the work that I'm doing and within, I guess, being more immersed into the traffic inside and then just bring it back like, hey, there's behavior analysis this is how we explain it. You know, um, uh, I've been I've been given the opportunity uh, multiple times now to present at different different conferences, um, not just the the local ABA FAVA uh, or the international ABA conferences, but I've presented in multiple criminology conferences. Mm. Um, the next one I'm presenting at is, is in, in March, where it's, um, um, I'm getting to talk about human trafficking from a behavioral analytical perspective. So I'm talking mm. about functions, I'm talking about, about antecedents, behavior consequences, I'm talking about the motives, I'm talking about the form and function of lures, you know, so, so it's again, putting that behavioral analytical perspective and the reception has, has been pretty good mm. where people often come to me and like, oh, see, I never thought about it that way. And that's yeah. kind of where, where I wanted. So yes, I can go to ABI and present this and there's a lot of people that want to listen to it. And it's great because I'm disseminating. But I think the, the bigger impact that I'm making is when I go into these criminology conferences and I'm presenting the other Absolutely. side of it, you know, yeah. so um, so that's a, that's a little bit of what I've been working on, yeah. you know, trying to make sure and I get the word out there and and hopefully, um, um, you know, it's very much like, let me in coach, I promise you, I know what I'm doing kind of thing, <laughs> you know, so that's very much where my approach is. Well, and I would think also, you know, in terms of kind of like sort of, you know, funding and whatnot for this kind of research, you know, it, it sounds like most of this work is being done in kind of, you know, criminology and social work, yeah. and kind of some of these other other fields. And so if you can kind of, you know, show these folks that, um, you know, uh, maybe some collaboration would, you yeah. know, would, would work out well, there might be more opportunities to do more research because it's not going to always be sort of the behavior analysis folks that where, where all this kind of stuff is going to probably come from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and I think it, it goes into, uh, you know, one of our biggest things about uh, in our field, which is disseminating, 
you know, like, mm, like mm. it's not just about staying within the same lane of ASD, you know, like we, we like I mentioned, we started talking, you know, like, like mm. that's kind of where you get your feet wet and you get that mm. experiences and those opportunities, you know, and then just going out there and, and, you know, going into these different conferences, going into these different professions and kind of just showing, you know, like, like there's, there's, there's more that, that multidisciplinary approach, you know, so it's not mm. just in the caseworkers, it's behavior analysts can help, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and outside of, of yes, individuals with intellectual disabilities, but also those um, those just juveniles in the detention center or or um, um, prostitutes that that's just been their lifetime their their life um, um, or when we're talking about kids that are abused in foster care, mm. you know, so all of these other settings, other populations that are out there that are also they're the victims of the of 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 I guess these cycles, right? So mm. being the vulnerable population of that vulnerable population of the vulnerable population. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it's great that the, the, the things are getting kind of received well from the, sort of the criminology folks. I'm curious kind of um, what are some of the th- what are some of the been some of the takeaways for you sort of being at these criminology conferences and, and kind of how has that influenced some of your research? So I think um, one of the these uh, some some of the older studies, you know, uh, uh, when it comes to like the third secret word is function. Like abduction and sexual abuse, you know, we're done mm. based on BST. And being at USF, the other advisor that's here is Dr. Melberger. He's done a lot of those BST safety skills. Course, you know, yeah. so so going into these conferences and um, having the support of faculty here outside mm. of just like, yeah, Yo, you do your dissertation. But instead yeah. of having some sort of knowledge where they have presented in these sort of conferences before, yeah. Yeah. Um, going in there, I just, um, I, I, I have that opportunity of, of, look at uh, a victimology um, of mm. or just kind of like approach of everything and and saying and seeing that that behavior analysis I think where it will morph into in the future um, it comes to that merges of criminology and, and ABA will be more of a of a behavioral perspective to victimology mm. right so um, so, so that that forensic behavior analysis that that the F, that's part of the FBI you know um, mm-hmm. or or those those shows that show like criminal mind and there's someone that's a behavior analyst you yeah, know like, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. kind of where we'll go into because um, I think that's where we'll have the biggest impact is on on functions to victimology right mm-hmm. so 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 it's not just lures that are being used you know it's 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 society as a as a as you know there's there, there was a function of my community being mm-hmm. less likely to report mm-hmm. something to a cop. You know, so like like doing those sort of things, I think um that's what I've taken uh, what I've been able to take away from going to these conferences is mm. sitting in a presentation that they're talking about um cybercrime and and hearing what they're saying. I was like, oh, that's that that's that behavior analysis. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about mm. about uh, uh, the, you presenting an SD. You you say like, hey, you engage in this response. I'm gonna do this for yeah. you and and going to that twist where where now, nah, man, you're not gonna get that. You're gonna get this instead. You know, like yeah, like yeah. you get an email saying you that the prince of Nigeria is gonna give you a million dollars, and you respond to that email, right. and it's like, oh well, the the, the function of here is you you were you were tangled access to generalized positive reinforcement yeah. in access to money. You don't get that money. Yeah, you get yeah. your computer stolen. You know, so yeah, so that's yeah, kind of yeah. um. So so yeah, so it's it's been fun. It's been being able yeah. to to go to present conferences and learning what. Other type of crimes are out there, and and yeah. and trying to find those functions to these behaviors. You know, yeah. going back to what I was I was alluding to. You know, like with Dr. Milberger, um, some of his his um, firearm safety. You know, yeah. um, you see you see that that's a huge thing in the United States. You know, um, um, the people that get shot at schools or mm-hmm. or at movie theaters or at malls. 
or you know across the street or whatever it may be you know and you start to see a behavioral perspective on those things and, and you see how much more we can do out there for for the community and making our society i guess a, a better thing just based on on understanding why we do what we do mm. wow so fascinating arturo this stuff is really cool and i, I really love I, I really love just your whole story and kind of how, you know, your, your youth and your, and your growing up and your family kind of just inform this, um, you know, so you can kind of bring some of that experience and then, and then just, you know, using behavior analysis in sort of these really unique ways and collaborating with other disciplines. Uh, you know, you're, you're on an exciting journey and it's been, it's, it's, it's fun to follow and it's so fun that you're just at the very beginning of it. Really cool. I, I'm, 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 I'm glad, I'm really glad you came on the podcast. This was really neat. No, thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed it. I think um, I'm glad that I'm able to disseminate yeah. what I'm doing, you know, um, yeah. especially um, being January. And again, being that January is the National Human uh, Trafficking Awareness Month yep. and being able to, to to be in your podcast and talk about trafficking. Um, it's, it, it's what I'm, it, I'm disseminating yeah. both yeah. things, you know, disseminating human trafficking, disseminating um, um, hum, uh, behavior analysis. Yeah, super cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. Of course. Yeah.